Every day I drive my kids to school, Gina, and you have you have boys in your house yeah. and yep. have raised little boys. So my five-year-old on the way to school this morning, we're just sitting at a stoplight. We already dropped my daughter off and we're driving and waiting. And all of a sudden, just he's been quiet for a while. And I just hear, Daddy, how long was my penis when I was a baby? <laughs> and I was like, what, son? Said, how long was my penis when I was a baby? Well, it kind of goes along with however big you are, in a sense. You know, it gets it gets bigger as you get bigger, and and he's how long's your penis? <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I'm just like, how do you you know some of these things that just kids ask? How do you answer them? You know, because but do you want me to pull out a, a ruler? I mean, I don't. <laughs> what I was like, well, it's 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 bigger than yours. So, <laughs> but yours will get bigger too as you get older. And then I look back and he's got his hands, you know, trying to guesstimate, what's well, it this long? And is it this long? And I'm just oh like, gosh, that is so funny. wow. I mean, it's just one of those things with boys I've noticed. Penises are important. Oh, you know, and <laughs> talking about sexual identity, since this is Sexy Marriage Radio, we want to welcome everybody, by the way. <laughs> We'll come back to this thought because I just want people to know that you're at the right place if you want to help your marriage uh, grow with some passion and purpose and pleasure. I'm Gina Paris and Dr. Corey Allen is here to help you. But talking about penises being important to boys, that is true like their whole life. And it's not that way with women. Like girls are penises aren't important to women. No, we're not obsessed. Like, I don't think Freud was correct about penis envy. <laughs> okay. Nor nor are we infatuated with our own vaginas by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's not, there's not a comparison there. I know. No. I, I, I'm certain of that. <laughs> I, it might be healthier if women were as in love with their genitals as men were. <laughs> it, might, it might change the way sex happens. Who knows? I know. <laughs> Well, Sexy Marriage Radio, we've already talked about you, and we want to hear from you. So yes, send us do. an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com or call our feedback line, which is 615-56-SEXY-SIX or 615-567-3996. That's right. And Corey's probably not going to disclose the answer to his son's question. Well, that's it. That, that was my answer. I, don't, I, I mean, how much more information can you give? Because you try to be concrete, but... Did you, you know, explain sometimes it's bigger than other, longer? Than yeah, well, I, actually, I did say that. I said everybody's is different, but in general, they're all about the same. Because <laughs> that is one thing I, I know middle school boys, and I remember it too, when you get into that middle school, high school, adolescent world of like, ooh, is my penis bigger than others? Am I yeah. smaller than others? One thing that research has found, in general, when the penis is fully erect, they're roughly all the same size. Obviously, there are exceptions, but in general, no reason to worry about, am I big enough? Yes, no worries. Because there's much more to it than just how big you are. <laughs> so what else you do? What do we do? And so it's how much love you put into the game. But speaking of love and making love and having love and unconditional love, I think that some of our listeners sort of 
embrace this philosophy of unconditional love. And that's very noble mm -hmm. to have love with no conditions. But I think there's a fallacy to it that love with no conditions is equal to love with no guidelines or love with no requirements. And so I kind of want to explore this topic if unconditional love or our concept of it is somehow hurting some people's sex lives. Okay. So is there a myth when it comes to unconditional love in this world and in marriage? Yeah. Like what, because I, let's take this example of this lady, Mary, who kind of has triggered this subject in my mind because she is very offended at this point that her husband has admitted he's not attracted to her because she's gained a lot of weight Okay. since their marriage. And so she's, utterly offended like he won't he's told me he's not attracted to me and that i need to lose weight and she says but i have have loved him with unconditional love through him being sick through him being um having addictions through him losing work and so she says i've had all this unconditional love so where does he get off now having all this conditional love okay so i think that in her mind unconditional love is can be I think it's unconditional enabling in some ways. So okay. I want to clarify this. Okay. So let's help our listeners because I think this is fairly common when when we've got a real nurturing kind of person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women, they nurture everybody, quote, mm -hmm. before themselves. And so, so I, I, there's problems. So the, so the with, trip up actually happens when you love and love and love and love and love, and you're convincing yourself in the midst of that that you're doing it unconditionally, but when it's not reciprocated, you get upset, which then brings in the whole idea of, is it unconditional? Well, is it unconditional or, or is it healthy? Because the ultimate model, I would say, of unconditional love is God. Right. But when you look at every promise in the Bible, there's always a condition. Okay. So what's unconditional about a promise? <laughs> okay. Is that different than love? Like, hey, I love you, but certain actions bring their own. Okay. Well, then define, let's define unconditional yeah. first. What, is, what, yeah. what would unconditional love look like? It means I love you no matter what. Okay. But I still don't think that means unconditional acceptance of bad behavior. Well, that's but that's a different that's a different ball game. I know, but and so people, we're talking. I, you're talking this, about with the the importance of needing to separate that out to not yeah, get tripped think, up in the whole. There should be unconditional love going on here. No, there should be love going on here, and then there's behaviors expected. Yeah, I think we, what I would love for our listeners to be able to hang up, feeling empowered to know that love is tough and love still has a backbone and love still has boundaries and love can embrace its own eroticism and love can be nurtured in a state that's not enabling pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause what I think of I mean, when I think of unconditional love, the first thing I think of is God. In, in that mm -hmm. whole relationship because it's it's otherworldly in a sense. But it then I, but then I also think of a dog. <laughs> that a dog is uncondi gives unconditional love. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone from the house when you come home, they're excited to see you. I you know, they're know. They, they they love the fact that you're there, that you want to be with them. But even a dog can be conditioned to not love un unconditionally. 
You treat it badly enough for long enough, it will stop responding. Coming around. Yeah, it, it, will, it, it learns. <laughs> I'm not going to take that. So even that sets up the, the scenario of, well, there's, I have to treat it in certain ways. I have to treat people in certain ways to get and warrant love. Or, or let's just separate those different kinds of love. So, so there's this unconditional love is there. Mm -hmm. That's why people can, can end a relationship with somebody still saying, I love you, but. Right. <laughs> so, right. Right. They feel like there's still that kind of love is there, but there's not an erotic love. And really even that friendship kind of love is, is really not nurtured. So I want to kind of touch on building an erotic love separate from what we think of as conditional, as unconditional. Okay. Because I feel the pain there. So for somebody like Mary, I would say, girl, <laughs> what you thought was unconditional love was working against you. Because first of all, if you had embraced this love for yourself and through yourself you would have been able to say i love you and you will not be destructive to yourself by doing this and this and be destructive to our relationship and our household by doing that and that mm -hmm. and, and the same thing then so so then if she had boundaries through this whole situation then when he's able to say i love you and i expect you to maintain a certain level of fitness or attractiveness that I first fell in love with, I think it's more acceptable than to say, all right, then. Because we've had, we've had expectations or, or clearly defined roles maybe through the process. Well, we, yeah. Cause everybody has deal breakers. Everybody yes. does. You could say you're the most loving person in the world, but, but there are deal breakers when it comes to relationships. Well, exactly. You know, my wife comes home with several guys saying, hey, we're going to have a big party tonight. Not with me. I mean, <laughs> that, that's a deal breaker. You know, mm -hmm. so those are the things that I don't think many people like to think along those lines, but we do have them and we need to have clear in our mind what those are, that what are, what are we looking for? in return to the relationship because you know i've talked several times about how relationships don't need to be set up as exchange-based things right. where i will do this so therefore you will do that right but there is a degree of an exchange-based process that goes on in marriage it, because it's not even a matter of so that right. you know hey i'll clean the house so that you'll have sex with me it's 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 operating in who we are and the essence that we bring to a relationship and being lovable and being sensuous and being mm -hmm. engaged. So let's talk about just some of the elements separate. From, so let's just lay this, let's just assume that love is there. This, okay. And, and then let's crawl under that blanket and, and say, what's going to, what are some, well, acceptable real quick let me pull back a little bit because mm -hmm. if the, if we're going to talk about the idea of love being the foundation okay instrumental in that is love lets you go 
Love provides okay. a way out. Love lets you choose. Love is love is about free will when it comes to two people. Right. You know, it's you have to give your spouse the room to right. choose a different way, to choose a way out if they want. Divorce, separation, leaving, affairs, all those things are choices and they're yes. real. So you have to acknowledge the fact that love lets you go. It's willing to take the risk and say, you be you and choose me, <laughs> hopefully. Exactly. So which, which then means it puts pressure on you to present something worth choosing. Yeah, and that's really important. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, you know, and then I hear people say, no, love chose a covenant. You know, the thing is, we can't, I can't make somebody else keep their end of a covenant. Right. Yeah. Even if we believed in it at one time. Right. So all of that is there saying, you know what? I love you and I love you enough to let you choose. Right. Yeah. Because we've talked about the idea that even, even not having um, sex, if, if one person totally withholds, that's a breaking of a covenant. Right. You know, that it's, it's. That's the other extreme of going out and having an affair, maybe. I mean, it, but it is the whole idea of it's a breaking of a vow, of a commitment to each other. Yeah, it is. And you can't, all you can do is control your commitment. Yeah. Because then, I mean, then it's an integrity issue between the two of you, you know, with each person. It's a, who are you and, and what drives you? Well, that word integrity is just such a huge part of what makes somebody sexy Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if I'll just speak as a woman. If I'm attracted to a guy because of his values and because of his drive and because that has uh, triggered how he takes care of himself and how he provides for us. And then he reaches this phase in life where he no longer cares. He's not driven. He's lost his mojo. He doesn't take any leadership. I'm not attracted to that. Yeah, attraction's going to wane, obviously. Exactly. And it's not maybe because I don't like his 20 pounds. I could probably care less about that. The fact is I'm not attracted to someone who is so out of integrity with himself. Right. It's as unattractive probably to me as if I were to gain 150 pounds and present that to him. Mm -hmm. So come on, fellas, <laughs> step it up. I think it's fair to have these expectations to say this is what's sexy to me this is what means some this is what will arouse me this is what will make me feel drawn to you mm -hmm. yeah and it, it's it's moving beyond the surface and getting to you know you're presenting who you really are you're you're presenting this is me which means understanding who you are and I, who you're not because it seems like we get so inundated, and I see a lot of women get tripped up in this. They're trying to present yeah. something they're not, and it just doesn't fit. You know, I, I see the, when I see women that are dressed in ways that are just, yeah, that's not your body type, or that's not just who you seem to be. If I, like, if I know some woman, let's, let's go to the scenario of, I know a lady, and this is all hypothetical, I'm just spitballing but i know a lady that i i have a pretty good idea of who she is 
And all of a sudden, she shows up one day, and she's dressed drastically different than who she is. While the appearance on the surface may attract people's attention, there will be an incongruence because it's not, once they know who she is, it's not a fit. It doesn't make sense. And what we talk about all the time when it comes to married sex is what's that lasting component that keeps eroticism, that keeps arousal, that keeps passion, that keeps purpose. And that lasting component is more and more about you and who you are, your integrity, your authenticity, your values, what makes you tick, what turns you on. All those things are what will attract your spouse to you for the long right. time. Yeah, in intrinsic in those knowing who you are, there's certain things that everybody everybody has these drives for security. Mm-hmm. So you, so you want something secure in your sex life. But that's why we have women writing to me saying, "Oh my gosh, I am so bored. He refuses to initiate in some way new. He just assumes whatever worked last time is going to work this time." And so you have avoided this human driver and this need for variety. Mm-hmm. And, and so usually one spouse or the other will have a higher need for that. So then they reach out to whatever kind of different ways for variety. Mm-hmm. But it's a valid, it's a valid need to want to fulfill in your, in your life, in your marriage, in your bedroom, because it's going to be the same how you do life as how you do sex. So have those conversations. How are you creating security sexually how are you creating variety sexually how are you feeling feeding a need for significance because everybody has sex is great can make you feel significant mm-hmm. it can make you cause your spouse to feel insignificant so let's back up even a little bit more too on the idea of safety and security yeah let's. one of the things that you can do that that will fundamentally improve this and this is both male and female is be a person of your word. If you commit to do something, do it. And this isn't even just in the sex arena. You know, right. hey, I'm going to stop by and pick up whatever on my way home. And if you repeatedly forget that, you're, you're damaging your own integrity in the eyes yeah. of other people and in your own self. Because like, oh, man. And you can't just do that. Oh, I'm always forgetting. I'm just like my mom or I'm just like my dad. No. You have control. With today's technology, you can set every single kind of reminder in the world to help you be a person of your word. Yeah, that's good. And and that goes a long way, especially men, that goes a long way with your wife. You say you're going to be home at 5, be home at 5. And if you're not, call. Give her the respect that you would a human and say, hey, I got hung up. I'm on my way. I'll be there at X. Because those are the kinds of things that lay the foundation for a stronger relationship and they're little things i mean it's it's a little it's a little deal but it's much bigger because it also then makes you start looking at what do i commit to am i so over committed and stretched and saying yes to everybody else that i don't have time for the people that are most important to me or the people that i say are the most important to me because what we do speaks more than what we say it does. And if there's some spark between the two of you earlier in the day, in the afternoon, dinner, and you're flirting with each other and, and you allude to the evening, and then evening comes, 
And one of you is like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I'm not ready to come to bed. It's rude. Right. That, it's the same thing. So it's, again, it's regards the bedroom and uh, totally outside Yeah, that's the, the life is sex, sex is life kind of mindset that we think of. That those are, I mean, that's, that's one of the most fundamental things I can think of when it comes to improving your marriage is improve your own integrity improve who you are what you say you are and and what you do man that's just such a huge deal to become um a person whose word means something to yourself mm -hmm. when you look back at at goals that you said or resolutions did you dishonor yourself by not keeping them you know at, if so is then then that's what you're presenting to those around you mm -hmm. a half-hearted belief in your own word and and one so of the biggest compliments that a friend could give me or even mm -hmm. my spouse could give me is that you are a man of your word that when you say yeah. something you will do it yeah i mean that that is a huge huge compliment oh man and not to get down on my husband because he probably doesn't even remember this but the other day one of my boys came to me and he was sad and i said what's up and he goes you know dad's been home almost a year and he had he kept promising me when i get back from the desert we'll go to the shooting range and he says we haven't and i'm like well did you remind him he said i reminded him once i'm not going to remind him again it'll just make him mad so it's kind of a replay of of you know a generational thing and you're like oh ouch so that's a really good example because this is from a guy who really tries hard to mm -hmm. be a person of his word mm -hmm. so man people see it our family sees it yeah and it's not just a male thing it's a female no. thing too i think it females is. are had the same standard of if you say you're gonna do it do it right yes it's attractive it is and it's and that's yeah, and that's that idea. Well, that's that's a great one. For a majority of women, trust does, does equal lust. So, if you talk about it in the masculine feminine arena, that's a that's a huge turn on, long for the long term. But even when we're talking about this idea of unconditional love or the myth and the conditions that are actually placed around it, that's kind of setting this whole idea of, look, there are things I'm not going to tolerate within me. So why in the world right. would I tolerate that relationally? Right. Because we treat people, we teach people how to treat us. Mm -hmm. You know, there's times some of you need to look at somebody when they're verbally lashing and you, you need to not put up with it. Mm -hmm. There's a line that's been used twice in our house. That's all it's ever had to be used. I think once Paul used it on me and once I used it on Jordan when he was 13, when, you know, the verbiage was getting out of control and someone would say, who are you talking to? And they'd say you and you would say no not like that you're not right it's the end of the whole energy it breaks that yeah and, and then and, and, the and, yeah and it may have to be followed up with a physical leaving of the room and that's exactly. and that's the huge thing that it can be a great boundary that you start to draw of right. you know because i know lots of couples you get in these little spats and they can escalate quickly right and it takes two to argue yeah so if you feel like, hey, I am being disrespected, I am being treated poorly, I am being abused, I mean, whatever it may be, you draw the line and leave. And you just basically, and that's a great way of who you're talking to, or the other one is, um, no, I'm not going to be a part of something when we're in this kind of a state. You can even put yourself yeah. on that. You know, exactly. I'm starting to lose it. 
and I want to go cool down. So go. Take a time out and leave. Go drive, go walk, get away from each other, do something. And there will be a big um, gap. I mean, you'll feel, you, you'll feel that, man, I'm not receiving what I want from that person. Mm-hmm. And that's a, it's a important time to find it in yourself and find that spiritually because that person will never fill us up in all those areas. Right. So, but then absolutely. there also is that bad behavior component that sometimes we do get bad behavior coming at us. That there are things yeah. we're looking for in a relationship and, we're, and they've shifted. You know, I, I get lots of emails of people that have written and said, hey, you know, at the, at the beginning of our relationship, he was the high desire and now right. he's not. Right. What's up? You know, and at some point, whenever you recognize that, you've got to address that. You've got to say, look, what is up on the way you're treating me? You're totally withdrawing from me. Right. That is not acceptable for me in a relationship. What's going on? And you just have some of those come to Jesus meetings almost. And, exactly. you know, I've, I've, I've heard of the two week rule that, you know, you have to allow for bad moods in people and you're not going to just click all the time. So you have to allow for just days, even a week or so that, yeah, we're just kind of off. But if it all goes right. on for longer than two weeks, you got to get to the bottom of what's going on. Yeah, that's really generous. I think that's really helpful to say, you know what, a week or two. Um, yeah, because there's, 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 yeah, there's an unspoken thing in society with the medication and everything that's kind of going on that we should not have bad moods, that we should not have sad times, that we should not have depressed moments, that that's just abnormal if all of a sudden you wake up one day and you feel down. No, that's life. That's human nature. That, that's just who we are. So... You have to allow for that. You have to, I mean, it's, I've mentioned on the show a couple of times that I had three days where I was just annoyed at things and I don't even know why. Still don't. Here I am like a month mm-hmm. removed from it and I still don't know what that was about. <laughs> but it was there. And so give me some time to kind of work through that and either figure out what's going on or it, sh- it should pass. You know, go out and work out, go out and be with friends, go out and do some things that will help you that you know in the past have helped you get through some, you know, down times. And then turn back to the relationship and patch up what needs to be patched up and move forward. So allow for room for that. Mm. But if it goes on for any length of time, and two weeks is a good standard, I think, Right. then ask some tough questions. You know, hey, it's it's been two weeks since we've touched each other. (laughs) What's up? Yeah. Yeah. It's just really helpful. Um. So that that love there doesn't just lay down and be a, a floor mat. That that there's inside of that. I'm telling you, that's why we want to cultivate that erotic energy. It gives life to these other kinds of energy. Why we want to nurture our friendship kind of energy. Mm-hmm. All of it works together. You can't just just pull back and say, well, I'm just a nurturer. I'm I operated like a mother. Right. I just want to, I want to exist behind the scenes completely. No. Do, do what behind the scenes? Well, that's the idea of, I, I think it's easy to kind of make a nobility thing out of, well, I just yeah. want to exist behind the scenes. You know, I right. just want to be the scaffolding that allows everyone else around me to reach far higher and blah, blah, you know, 
And I, I think the idea of that, I can understand it. But the reality of it is often you're not providing anything. You're just laying down for everything. Exactly. Because if you will demonstrate with your own integrity and your own authenticity that, hey, I know who I am and I'm a solid individual, but yet I will do this to help you, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's a greater display of love than just being a doormat for everybody that gets walked over and used by all the people that want things. And, you know, certain temperaments will, it's different. You know, some people with that type A temperament, they're like layover doormat. I mean, it's so foreign (laughs) to that. They got no clue who we're talking about. Exactly. Well, actually, they do. No, 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 no. They do know who we're talking about because those are the people they like. No, those are the people they like being in groups with because they know I can just run over them. I can just whatever I need from them, I can get and move on. They won't push back. They won't tell me no. Whatever. That's exactly right. And so for the person whose temperament is much, you know, your biggest value is getting along with everybody. I call that an amiable personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, different temperament tests would call you, put a different label on it. But understand that's it's just a, a part of a real person. And that's something that we want to encourage you. Stand up. Bring your best, strongest self. Raise the flag a little bit on your on that part of you that is stronger, mm-hmm. a little more dominant. Mm-hmm. Which means sometimes you have to make some choices to not join your spouse in their moods, in their yeah. swings, in their moodiness, in their depression, in their anxiety, in whatever. When up until this point, you've taught them that you will join them there and that's the way you'll show your love. So for a while, it's going to be rough. It's going to be, it's going to be ro- rocky and uncomfortable, yes. It's usually not to the magnitude of it's all going to fall apart, mm-hmm. it, but it, it will disrupt the system. So realize that, that when I stand up and say, hey, you know, you're in a really bad mood and normally I would try to do things to make you feel better. I'm not. You're in a bad mood and it's not my fault. I did not do anything wrong. You need anything from me? Have the courtesy to ask. All the nice guys out there are like, yeah. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's it's counter it's counter to what we what I would typically do. You know, I would do the whole wow, she's in a bad mood. I better clean up some things, and I better set the right tone and melt, walk on eggshells, and don't you know, for heaven's sake, don't make her mad. Right. You know, don't add to it. But no, that's not treating her as a full grown, capable human being. And sometimes you can employ some sort of pattern interrupt, you know, they're in their funky mood. You, you, there's certain things you might be able to break their pattern. Well, they're probably there funky. anyway. I mean, Gottman, you know, John uh, Gottman, the researcher of, of marriage, would say mm-hmm. that there are repair attempts that happen all the time that go unnoticed. Right. And so one repair of the things you can kind of do is, is kind of pull back and look for what are those little things that, you, that are going on already that try to break the negative spin that happened between you. And again, realize it's not about breaking it for your spouse. It's breaking it for you. Yeah, break that energy. Mm-hmm. Just do something. So, so, unconditional love in marriage. A myth? Uh, let us know. I think so. 
<laughs> I don't think it is, but I think it's misunderstood. Oh, it's okay. It's mislabeled. It's mislabeled. That that's that's accurate. So we come under under the guise of this is unconditional love, but in reality, yes. we're thinking it's we're thinking it's one thing, but it's something else. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so the the parting shot would be understand your conditions. What are you looking yeah. for? What do you want? And then, more importantly, are you providing them on your half? Yep. Once again, we want you to own it. Because all own you can it, do is it, you. All, all you can do is you. That's <laughs> an interesting way to phrase it. <laughs> this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. <laughs> Glad you joined us. We will see you next you time. Have to just do you by yourself. <laughs> That'd be so sad. Have a great day. <laughs> bye bye, everybody.